Rabbi Yaakov Menken of the Coalition for Jewish Values joins me to discuss the horrific rise in anti-Semitism. I'm Sarah Carter. On the latest Sarah Carter Show, the rabbi and I also discuss the left's targeting of Hasidic schools and its ugly view of Israel. Follow the Sarah Carter Show wherever you get your podcasts. Dana Lash's Absurd Truth Podcast. Joining us now, Nikki Haley, former U.S. ambassador to the U.N. and 116th governor of South Carolina, founder of Stand for America, and she has a new book out. If you want something done, ask a woman. I like it. And this is about really powerful women leaders uh, throughout the world, throughout history, and uh, some really great lessons. And of course, she, I love the Margaret Thatcher uh, quote, and we see her now. Good to see you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I, I appreciate it. Congrats on the book. And I have got to get some of your insight. You were there during the Trump administration. We've played a lot of your sound bites when you were there at the United Nations, putting some people properly back in their place. I just wanted to get your just top line thoughts on some of this that we're going to Venezuela, OPEC plus two million barrels a day. I mean, this is kind of a disaster and it seems purposeful. Well, great to be with you, Dana. You know, it's the one thing she got right is, yes, this is historic historic in the way that he's depleted our reserves to the lowest number we've seen since the mid 80s. I mean, the idea that they are running around now chasing Venezuela to get oil shows how far we've fallen. We should be exporting as much liquefied natural gas as we can. He should be sitting down with the oil producers saying, what do you need from us? What do we need to do? I mean, you know, you look at it was just two years ago we were energy independent. And now we're basically, you know, I can't decide where I am on this. He says that he didn't go to Saudi Arabia to ask for oil. Okay, well, that's problem number one, because if you went there and you didn't have that conversation that says that you weren't paying attention and two, you did go there. But guess what? When you call him, you know, when you call him names and you ridicule him and, you know, just say we need to treat him as the international pariah is. Don't be shocked when they don't turn around and help you out. Exactly. And when you when you turn around and lift up uh, Iran, ask them to come to the table to discuss peace and refuse to condemn the Houthis. And and this has been an ongoing problem. We seem to we were at such a great place talking with Nikki Haley. We were at such a great place with Saudi Arabia. And then now two years in and it's just it's where it seems that we're back at this period of destabilization. But now on top of it is an energy crisis. And they don't trust us. I mean, Saudi Arabia doesn't trust us. I mean, one, yes, you go and you ridicule them, but two, they see weakness. And when they see weakness, they're going to go with where the strength is. And they just don't feel like the strength is here. And and quite honestly, I think that MBS um, was trying to teach Biden a lesson. And the, the one that was, you know, what we should all be paying attention to is who is the one that was lobbying OPEC besides us? It was Russia. So they ended up going and siding with Russia and gave Russia what they wanted. And now you'd think Biden would say, OK, maybe I need to reverse course. But instead, he's going to all the other countries that have, um, you know, dirty oil and not countries we want to be doing business with. He's going with them instead. Yeah, we have such great clean extraction methods. Uh, that's a, such an untold story. We're talking with Nikki Haley, who and I'm going to get into this book with you because I love the book. It's if you want something done, ask a woman, and it's it's a leadership lessons from bold women. We have some, and they always happen to be conservative, which is going to be a question I'm going to ask you. You brought up Russia and this whole, and I'm not going to dive into all of the conspiracy theories because I, we we know what we know and we know what we don't, and what we don't know is a lot. Uh, but that Nord Stream pipeline, or Nordstrom, if you're Karine Jean Pierre. 
uh, the the explosion that has basically taken that pipeline offline. I this is just really curious because some people there are some actual people here that are saying, oh, it could be the United States. It could be Russia. Um, what does the I, I, I just don't know what what Russia would gain if they did it What the United States would gain if they did it. But I will say that they've already shown Russia's already shown inclination to weaponize that pipeline. Oh, we have to do maintenance. It has to go down for a little bit. We're going to decrease what we're going to offer to Germany and other European nations. And as you know, because you were there in the Trump administration when Germany was kind of resisting that idea, they're not going to weaponize this. We're going to be OK. Now we're in this position. What are your thoughts on, on that pipeline? And is this I, I would hate to see this as being the the trigger for something worse. Well, you know, we fought the Nord Stream pipeline when I was at the United Nations and we were furious at all of the Europeans for allowing Germany to get into this situation. And now they're certainly paying the price for it. The United States had no reason to blow up that pipeline. Putin knows that he's going to do that because he's trying to distract um, why would we blow up a pipeline that gives energy to our allies? That's not the case. Russia, very much having dealt with them, the way they would look at this is if they blew up the pipeline, no one could blame them for not getting the energy to the Europeans. They knew Nord Stream was never going to come back up. They knew that we weren't going to do anything with it. So this was just trying to show their might and see if they could distract some. I mean, the reality is Putin has fallen really far. You look at the fact that when he's getting drones from Iran and he's getting rockets from North Korea, the fact that they've raised their draft age in Russia to 65, they've lost over a dozen generals. Um, he's lost the faith of his people. He's lost the faith of his military. Um, he knows he's in a world of hurt. And Ukraine is continuing to be you know, real defenders of their country. And you know what I've said is this is not a war about Ukraine. This is a war about freedom. Mm. And it's a war we have to win. We don't need to be giving Ukraine blank checks. I don't believe in that. But we do need to get with NATO and make sure they have the defense equipment they need to win this war. Because if they don't, Russia won't stop with Ukraine. Then they'll go into Poland and the Baltics. And then you've got a NATO country. And that's going to be an all-out war. Oh, so that would be. This is trying to prevent bad things from happening. you got to give it to the Ukrainians. They've shown real passion, real inspiration, real patriotism. I'm inspired by that because that used to be us. We used to fight for our country like that. We used to defend our country like that. And now you've got, you know, all of this national self-loathing that's killing it. Yeah, now we're talking with Nikki Haley, who has a, a great new book out. And we're going to get to that here in just a just a second at this when you brought up Ukraine, because there's been a lot of discussion. I never, ever thought I did not have Lindsey Graham arguing with Elon Musk on my 2022 bingo card. Not something that I had. Uh, it's very interesting to see. I wish they'd pick up the phone and talk to each other, because I think that sometimes those conversations, let's let's finalize the details so that, you know, it doesn't create more openings for the left to come at the right. But I will say it was I, I was a little surprised at the way that he reacted. Musk had proposed uh, something that made me think, is it an it's, it seems like an issue of independence versus territory or something in that in that regard. What it, what do you make of the idea that it seems like there's two options there either there's some kind of negotiation for peace whatever that looks like and without that i'm not quite sure if we're going to be able to avoid it seems like right now we're going up to the line of belligerence but going over it and this spilling into something that it takes up the entire world that we would definitely not want to see what are your what are your thoughts on that 
Well, keep in mind that Putin is threatening and he's trying to scare um, countries because he wants to make sure that he gains more ground. So what we shouldn't do is run. What we should do is put our foot on the gas and tell him that if he in any way uses nuclear weapons, there'll be hell to pay, not just from us, but from all the NATO allies. Then the second thing we need to do is we need to be going to China and Iran saying, are you okay with him making these threats? Do you actually think this is okay? And put the pressure on them because they will be the ones that back Russia down. You know, at the end of the day, when it comes to the territory issue, I don't think the United States needs to make the decision on what peace looks like. This Mm -hmm. is about the Ukrainians and their country. What I will say to people is anyone that says, oh, they should just give this territory or give that territory, assume that this was the United States and someone took Texas. Would we just give up Texas? We wouldn't. We'd fight to make sure our country was whole. That's what the Ukrainians are doing. That's up to them. At some point, they'll make a decision on whether they want to do a negotiation or not. I just don't think it's our place to get involved in that conversation. I think they need to decide it. Whatever they do, you know, we'll certainly support it. Would they? Do you think that they would have already have negotiated a peace deal if it wouldn't if we if they had not had such support from the West? That's that's an interesting question. You know, I. You know, the idea that they needed to win, they needed other countries to help them win, and they certainly couldn't have done it without the West. Mm. Um, So, you know, it's interesting. But again, I am one that thinks that we should fight for freedom and democracy wherever we can. That doesn't mean we should put troops on the ground, and that doesn't mean we should write blank checks, but we should support any country that's fighting for their sovereignty. Yeah, and and I I just, I think with Texas, and it's a very interesting comparison to Texas, because I don't know that we would have to rely so much, though, on foreign power, though, if we had to prosecute anything, anything like that. I don't know if it would be exactly, exactly the same. But I'm with you. I do think that it's it's something they abs- they have to come to a decision as to what that looks like for them. Uh, and that's well, a big decision. That is, the point of that is, is we wouldn't want any country telling us what we should do. Right. You know, and so that's what Ukraine's saying is don't tell us what we should do. We'll figure this out. They want peace as much as anybody. Um, but I think it's more of that that, you know, I think when other countries start telling countries what they should want, it's always a mistake. Comes along with the billions that they get, though, I will say. I always like to joke that if I give you my money, I'm giving you my my two cents and my two cents. So it's kind of kind of goes along with it. I want to ask you about this book. We're talking with Nikki Haley. If you want something done, ask a woman. It is a book about leadership lessons from bold women. You got a lot of really fantastic examples in this book. Tell me why this book and and why now, although I do love it. And I and why why do they always seem to be conservative? Just, you know, curious. So, you know, the publisher had been asking me a while to do this book because they said there were lots of books on men and there were very few books on women. And so what I I thought about is when I was younger, growing up in a small rural town in South Carolina, 2,500 people, I didn't see any women leaders. And so I would go to the library and in second grade, the books that I would get would be on first ladies those were the only books that they had. And I loved seeing how they partnered with their husbands. And I loved seeing how they worked behind the scenes. And so, you know, when it came to this book, I thought, you know, I should do it because I want women to realize these were ordinary women that became extraordinary because they put in the hard work and they proved they deserve to be in the room. Women aren't victims. We don't wanna be treated as victims. When given the opportunity, women work hard, they know it's about results and they finish the job and they do it well. And these are 10 stories of women 
who didn't have it easy. You had somebody like Margaret Thatcher who said, you know, you, you want to take on the hard stuff because that's when you do the most meaningful. And as much as she believed in Britain, she believed in herself and trusted herself. You had people like Virginia Walden Ford. Here was someone who lived in a crime ridden area in Washington, D.C., desperately wanted her children to get a good education. The public schools were horrible and she fought for school choice. But what was amazing about her, Dana, was she was terrified of public speaking. Yet she went and she got school choice done for her, thousands of other children. She testified before Congress. She made a real difference in the world. God equips and the so called for sure. You have to go. You know, you've got somebody like Wilma Rudolph. She had polio wore braces on her legs until the age of 12 and then in eighth grade decided to try and start running and ended up being the first woman to bring home three gold medals in an olympics yeah. it's sheer yeah. will i and love these stories this is part of american heritage i love it the book is if you want something done ask a woman nikki haley we'd love to have you back thanks so much for your time today congrats on the book too as well and we'll be talking thanks again so soon thank you I've talked a lot about the Keltec KSG shotgun over the years, and it's no secret how much I love it. It's become the go-to shotgun for law enforcement and home defense, and for a really good reason. Uh, but why am I such a huge fan of the Keltec KSG? Well, like everything that Keltec invents, it created an entirely new class of shotgun, and the one that started it all is the KSG shotgun. It's the first 12-gauge pump-action shotgun chambered for three-inch shells. And with its dual tube mags, offers a capacity of 12 plus 1. So that's six rounds in each tube plus one chambered. If you prefer two and three quarter inch shells, even better because the KSG holds seven plus seven plus one. That's 15 shells. You cannot ignore the downward shell ejection either. It makes the KSG truly ambidextrous and ejects shells away from your face. It's brilliant design. See the Keltec KSG up close and personal at KeltecWeapons.com. That's K E L. TECweapons.com. Again, to find out more, visit KeltecWeapons.com. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Keltec. All righty here. So, a um, when I had this yesterday, how this New York court had held that this, here's the actual case, the polyamorous relationship is entitled to recognition for the purposes of non-eviction protections under the state rent control law, citing the landmark 1989 decision uh, which protected same-sex couples. So it was apparently this New York court case where we're talking about throuples. Jeez. I hate everything. They were saying that that kind of relationship for the purposes of non-eviction is actually entitled to legal recognition. We're going to hell. All of us are going to hell in a handbasket. That's what's happening. It's just uh, moving on. A new study says that high blood pressure is linked to faster cognitive decline and at a greater risk for dementia. In Ann Arbor, the study coming out of uh, one of the their University of Michigan say that people with hypertension may also experience a faster deterioration in their cognitive abilities, thinking skills, decision-making, memory, in comparison to those with normal blood pressure. They performed what they called a study of studies looking at high blood pressure's association with declining brain function over a period of several years. They analyzed all the data sets for six large prior studies, blah, blah, blah. And they also said that it was interesting because blood pressure-related cognitive decline appears to occur about this. They said it's the same rate for Hispanics and Caucasians, but they say that other factors are at play, and this is what they're currently studying, as to why Hispanics might generally have a greater risk of dementia more so than others. 
That's kind of that's very interesting. I did not know that. Nobody, 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 and I mean nobody wants Biden's boosters. But he is paying billions of dollars to Pfizer and Moderna for them anyway. They five billion dollars worth from Pfizer and Moderna, I might add, and uh, only three percent of what they call eligible Americans have actually gotten them. Mortgage applications are tumbling again, and the housing recession is deepening, plunging to a 25-year low. This is new from the Mortgage Bankers Association. The, the, their latest data, their market composite index, says it's declined 14.2% seasonally adjusted basis compared to a year earlier at this time. Not good. Stay with us. we got a lot more in store. More of the Dana Show after this. The Associated Press has this story of Jack Phillips. Here's how they run it. A Colorado baker who won a Supreme Court victory after refusing on religious grounds to make a wedding cake for a gay couple a decade ago is facing complaints that he refused to make a birthday cake celebrating a gender transition. They've been going after him because they, they want to. This is like his 1100 lawsuit. He's now it was and they know it. They go and they purposefully do this. They said they wanted a cake to celebrate their gender transition. And and it's the same person who has been suing him over and over again. Uh, For instance, the woman, Autumn Scardina, called his cake shop in 2017. She wanted a birthday cake that had blue frosting on the outside and pink inside to celebrate his transition into appropriating the female sex. And at his trial, he because he is a devout Christian, Jack Phillips is. And he said he did not believe in that and it violated his faith and uh, he was not going to do that. Now, just so you know, I would when I talked to him, when I had him on the show and you can I think we have the interview like maybe way back in the um, in our on YouTube on our in our our archives. But I had asked him just to kind of check the boundaries. I said, so. Would you make me a Halloween cake? Because every now and then we have, you know, fr- we would have friends over. Usually they're, they're the parents of our kids' friends. And I would get, if I didn't make it, if I didn't have time to make it, I would get something, a baked good or something like that. And I had said, so what if I had asked you, what if I wanted a Halloween cake? What if I was having a, you know, Halloween party? Uh, my kids were, you know, having their friends over. They were going to go trick-or-treating. What if I asked you to make a Halloween cake? And he point blank, very politely told me I would decline. Because that's, he is very devout. I have some friends who they're, they, with their faith, and I think it's like, I don't know, there's different denominations of Christianity, obviously, and some people can trick or treat, some people can't, you know, just, I had friends who couldn't trick or treat when I was growing up. And he is just very devout. And he says, I am very sorry. He's like, I, he goes, I would be happy to give you a recommendation to someone who would do a wonderful job at that. But I could not do it. They're punishing him because he won't bend the knee. And he is very humble. He just wants to, he, he enjoys the artistry that goes into baking cakes. This was similar to the couple that was, it was a uh, case by Melissa, I believe. It was in Portland or Seattle. And I talked to her and her husband. They were a very young family. And she was a stay-at-home mom, and she wanted to uh, make some extra money. 
for her family. And so she started doing cakes and she was able to, she was successful enough that she got this little storefront there to devout Christians. And when they were asked a number of years ago, they were targeted because this is what, this was in the trend of suing all these businesses that where the business owners were known Christians. And someone sued them because she did not make a a cake for a same-sex wedding and sued her out of business. It's, It's persecution. It's hatefulness. No one's being denied anything. That's where the whole bake the cake thing, that's how all of that. And so they're doing this, they're, they're, they keep doing it. They, these bigots have harassed this man for years. And he doesn't make anything that contradicts his beliefs. And he was very nice. And he looked me straight in my face and said, no. He's like, he would decline a Halloween cake. He's like, that's just not. And I even pressed him. I'm like, but it's not a, you know, and I wasn't doing this to be mean, but I'm, you know, to really kind of illustrate, he, he wouldn't make a divorce cake. Apparently he said no to that for a divorce party. He, he has declined that. He's, he's very, he doesn't wear his faith. uh, It's not a costume to him like it is to some people on the view. Apparently it's not a costume to him. It's real. I admire that. He's going to have a crown so big in heaven, he won't even be able to hold it on his head. But it just kind of goes to show you, in every one of these instances, all of these business owners try to accommodate the people persecuting them. They were very kind because they're real. And they were persecuted for it. God bless him. He hasn't bended. Here, bended. He hasn't bent. He's, he has not bent at all. Thank heavens. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. It's time for Florida Man. All right. So first and foremost, my goodness, we got some hum- we got some bangers today. I said that right. Yeah, I did. So this, first off, this is actually a brilliant thing. Kane found this. Florida Man's brilliant trick saved his store from Hurricane Ian flooding. As a man in Daytona Beach, he went viral after he shared that he successfully waterproofed his store against Hurricane Ian with spray foam and Flex Seal. Can I sidebar for a minute? I actually, like, want some Flex Seal. Because I I told you I love gadgets, and if if you can talk a good game, I I really am sold by that. Spray foam and Flex Seal. Isn't that the stuff where the guy's like, I Flex Sealed this boat, and then he's in a boat, right? So that's what this dude did. Screen door made into a boat. Yeah. Yeah. Eddie Castrol, who is the owner of Midwest Motorcycle Sales and Rental, posted a video of his undamaged store on Facebook over the weekend. Uh, And it was reposted. It has like over a million views. A hurricane moved through Florida, obviously, caused tens of billions of dollars in damage, but not to him. And there are some, it's like some people try to waterproof their homes, but they, it didn't. Uh, But this apparently did. It was dry inside, it was safe inside. And he said his waterproof seal worked. Everything, his store and everything in it survived. And he said that the idea to do this first came from Hurricane, during Hurricane Irma. And he said, I thought expandable spray foam could seal the doorways from the flooding. And then I boarded up. He goes, the spray foam didn't work as well as he hoped. So the second time he added flex seal to the mix. And he said, he goes, when he said the expandable spray foam worked for a few hours with Irma. And he goes, but now when it came through, 
He said, when I did the Flex Seal, I had a great waterproof seal. That is absolutely brilliant. That is, I mean, that's amazing. I think I need some, I don't know what I would use it for, but I feel like I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. You know what I mean? That's true. I'm just, I mean, that's like brilliant. That is one of the, that's brilliant. I don't want to move on from the story because I'm obsessed with it. Uh, All right, so I have. I have some more. I wish all of my Florida man stories could be like that. 71-year-old Florida man. Uh, he's a Fort Myers Beach resident. Joe Wilson. He rode out Hurricane Ian on his sailboat. And he said, quote, it was evil. <laughs> he said, 71 years old. He said he, uh, he had like he had a 35-foot sailboat in the Matanzas Pass in Fort Myers Beach. Matanzas Pass. And he said that, I mean, it was, he's like, that it, it was as awful, absolutely awful. And I can't even believe, he had to ride, he wore his wetsuit, he rode, he thought he could ride the tides to shore if his boat started to sink. It looked like it was a possibility at one point, he said. Uh, and he bailed, he was bailing water for hours. He survived, and he remembered a boating rule, never leave a boat when it's still floating. He did well, he was saved by the Coast Guard, and uh, but it taught him a lesson. He's like, I'm not ever going to be on my boat again during a tropical storm or any kind of hurricane. That's good. Yeah, I'm surprised he made it. I mean, I'm glad he did, but dang. Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of Dana Lash's Absurd Truth Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rabbi Yaakov Menken of the Coalition for Jewish Values joins me to discuss the horrific rise in anti-Semitism towards Jewish families, schools, and more. I'm Sarah Carter. On the latest Sarah Carter Show, the rabbi and I also discuss how Governor Andrew Cuomo unfairly targeted Jewish residents during the pandemic, the left's ugly anti-Israeli position, and why Iran is eager to use nukes. Don't miss it. Follow The Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.